In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So for the third straight week, we get to celebrate a life-changing truth about God and our Christian faith. Two weeks ago, we celebrated the ascension of Jesus Christ, how after the resurrection, after the 40 days he spent, he returns, he ascends to the Father in heaven, and now he is continually interceding for us. Last week, we celebrated Pentecost, the giving of the Holy Spirit to the church to make us a new creation and to continue the ministry of Jesus Christ even here and now. So if you've been keeping tabs, you've noticed I've mentioned three persons, the Father, the Son, also named Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Today, we celebrate who God is. Today, we celebrate how he has revealed himself, not as a solo, not as an individual, but as community, as a community of persons in love, as a family in himself. The fancy name we have for that is Trinity. God is one in three persons. And there are many exciting and mysterious ways to talk about God as Trinity, but this morning, I, I simply just want to say this. God is a missional God. God is all about mission. God is all about sending. So think about this. For all of the Old Testament, thousands of years, the people of God, the, the Israelites, they knew God as Father. He was their God. They were his people. And then when the time was right, the Father sent the Son, Jesus of Nazareth. God sent himself to take on our flesh, to live as one of us, to save us from sin and darkness and death, because we can't do that by ourselves. So God sends himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And then we know the story. Jesus was crucified for our sins, resurrected for our hope of everlasting life. He ascended to the Father to be our constant and never-changing advocates. And then he sends the Holy Spirit. God sends the Holy Spirit to adopt us as his own, to guarantee our inheritance of his everlasting life, to guide and direct us here, and to continue the ministry that Jesus began 2,000 years ago. God sends the Son, God sends the Holy Spirit, and now God sends you and me and you and, and even Father Chris. And it took for the longest time for me not to, just, just to know this, but be, to, but be excited by it. Some of you know that I had the great privilege of growing up in a Christian home. Church, Sunday school, acolyting, confirmation, church camp. I, I did all that, right? But you know, I never went on a mission trip. Not for lack of opportunities. I just didn't go. It actually took till seminary for me to go on a mission trip. It took till seminary to my early mid-20s for me to have the courage to go on a mission trip. And man, my life was changed for the better. And it's been a lasting change for the better. After that first mission trip, I was there with some 
seminary friends, and they told me about this missions conference called New Wineskins. Didn't know much about it, but several classmates of mine were going, and you know, I was already in student debt, so what's a couple hundred more dollars? So I went. And when I got there, it was awesome. Of course, a gorgeous venue in North Carolina mountains, but, but more than that, Anglicans all over the world coming to worship and pray and learn and network. And you know, at Christ Redeemer, we talk about being 80 million strong in 165 countries, and we talk about being the third largest Christian body in the world, but when you actually see it, it's incredible. And the conference is not just about international mission. It's, it's about local mission. It's about reaching into your community around you. It's about worship and Bible study and evangelism and discipleship and all things that give us life. So the next New Wineskins Conference is coming up in September. And of course, I'm going. I hope many of y'all will join me. And CTR is excited to have the director of New Wineskins here today to share a little bit more. So it's, it's my honor, it's my privilege to introduce someone we pray for every Sunday, Jenny Noyes. You would... Good morning. Good morning. Oh, take it easy Thank you. you. It is great to be back here at Christ the Redeemer. Um, Father Chris, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to bring forth God's message for us all today. I was supposed to be here back in March. I don't even know if you all knew that. Father Chris and I were trying to bring me back up out here. And um, many of you know my husband had a stroke on uh, February 8th. And long story short, he has been miraculously healed. God, I mean, praise Jesus. It, it is amazing. They call him Miracle Man at the hospital. Um, he had a small brainstem stroke, which doesn't usually end well. And um, it really would have obviously impacted our family greatly. And um, we are just so grateful. He went from ICU to home in about 48 hours. So we had people praying all over the world. And this is the beauty of, an, of a worldwide Anglican communion. There were people praying on about six continents for my husband within minutes of getting that word. I was on a plane in uh, California when I got the word. And I was so grateful for texting and prayer chains that are already set up so that when the crisis comes, you can put the word out and the prayers just go up and, and, and create miracles. I mean, we experienced a miracle. So I just want to thank you all for your prayers. Thank you. It means so much to us that you pray for us every week and continue to pray. We've had a tremendous amount of spiritual warfare. We, we know that this conference in the fall is going to be off the charts. I mean, amazing uh, plans that God has for us. And so uh, the devil isn't happy about that. And we're experiencing extraordinary spiritual warfare like this stroke. But the powerful prayers of the righteous avail much. Amen? So let us unite our hearts in prayer for this time of opening God's word. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we just commit this time to you. Lord, we th I thank you for this praying congregation, this missional congregation. And now, Lord, as we open up your word, we pray that you would open up our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today. And we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In the Old Testament passage from Isaiah this morning, it begins with, in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, when a country's king dies, 
There is often a sense of instability, fear, of course, despair and grief. I happened to be in Thailand in 2017, just before their king's funeral. The king, Buhimbul, he had ruled for 70 years, making him the longest reigning monarch in the world. And I checked the facts, even longer than Queen Elizabeth, because I thought, she's right on the heels there, and she'll, she may surpass him. But he died in 2016. The whole country observed a full year of mourning. Now, we read about these things, how people in the Old Testament, you know, this year of mourning. We, don't, we can't relate to that in our 21st century. But in Thailand, at the death of their king, they, the whole country observed this full year of mourning. For the first three months, no one in the country could wear anything but black. No one. No color could be sold in the store. So think about all the impact of that. Every billboard in the entire country displayed the king's image, and every place of business had some sort of shrine set up with his face and flowers, fresh flowers, in his honor. It was a big deal. Now, with our presidential system of a four- or eight-year term, you know, and our partisan polarization, it was hard for me to grasp this amazing honor, respect, and national unity around their beloved king's death. But it was similar in Isaiah's time. Uzziah had reigned for 52 years. Now, this earthly king was laid in the grave. But the prophet Isaiah saw that the true king of Israel was neither the dead Uzziah nor his son, Jotham, who would inherit the throne, but the Lord of hosts. And after seeing that, after seeing the Lord... All those fears and forebodings that he had, all the anxieties and the sense of loss that he is experiencing at the death of King Uzziah, all vanished. And new strength came to Isaiah. And he went into the temple laden with anxious thoughts, and he came out of it with a springy step and a lightened heart and the resolve to be able to say, here am I, send me. And doesn't that speak to us today? So much suffering, pain, despair, and tragedy all around us today in our world. It is just unbearable sometimes. Political turmoil, religious persecution, evil regimes. But the Lord is still on the throne. Amen? And as Christians, we ascribe, think about that from Psalm 29, we ascribe, we give credit or honor due to the Lord, the strength, honor, and glory due to God. Psalm 29 assures us that God reigns supreme and he is still in control. Do you believe that, people? Yeah. He is sovereign over all, even when it doesn't feel like that that's true. In Revelation 4.11, the Apostle John writes, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. In Isaiah 6, we see the impact of when Isaiah truly encounters the holiness of God. And what does he say? Woe is me. You can just picture him standing in the presence of a holy God. Woe is me, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. He is, his sinfulness is revealed to him in a, in a powerful way that is life-transforming. And I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. 
He comes face to face with his own sinfulness and depravity in the presence of God Almighty. He's fearful of what will happen to him. And, of course, that is a natural response. How many times do we see in the Bible, you know, an angel appears and and they're fearful. They're filled with fear, right? And God constantly says, the first thing the angel says is, fear not, right? Fear not. Do you know there are 366 scriptures in the Bible that say, do not fear? That gives us one for every day of of the year, including leap year. So we have one more every day because God knows how fearful we are, especially when we stand in our sinfulness in front of a holy God. So Isaiah is quaking in his sandals, right? But what does God do? He sends an angel with a live coal from the altar to touch Isaiah's lips. And it is with holy fire that we are purified for the Lord's service. It sounds terrifying, right? We imagine Isaiah's face would be disfigured from his lips being touched with a live coal. But he is being filled with the Holy Spirit, such that when God asks, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah responds, Here am I, send me. Now notice that God says, Who will go for us? Why doesn't he say, Who will go for me? It's a reference to the Holy Trinity, and this is Trinity Sunday, as we just heard. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who will go for us? And it's only after this encounter that Isaiah is empowered to respond, Here am I, send me. It is the Spirit of God living within him that now allows him to hear the voice of God and then to obey the voice of God. In Psalm 29, the the phrase, the voice of the Lord, is repeated, the voice of the Lord, several times. And what struck me in that is that the voice of the Lord has an impact, even on nature. There was a cause and effect to it. The voice of the Lord accomplished action. The voice of the Lord created the universe itself. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. The voice of the Lord spoke scripture into being. It is God-breathed, and it goes forth, and it does not return void. Amen? It accomplishes its purposes. The voice of the Lord speaks to each one of us today. Last week's New Testament lesson at my church, we may be on different uh, lectionaries, but uh, on Pentecost, it was from Acts 2. Did you read from Acts 2? Yeah, okay. In verse 14, Peter stands up emboldened by the Spirit of God and begins to speak. And he says, in essence, listen to me, repent, and trust God. Now, this man who had very recently denied Jesus three times, and when he realized it, he went out and he wept bitterly and was racked with fear. And they're inside this little upper room, you know, waiting, as Jesus said, to wait in the city. And this, of course, was before Pentecost. And now, during Pentecost, he is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he stands up and he boldly preaches and he empowers others. So in the same way that that burning coal touched and anointed the unclean lips of Isaiah, those tongues of fire, notice the connection, the fire from the altar that touched Isaiah's lips and the tongues of fire that rested upon each person present when the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, Each heard the voice of the Lord 
in their own language. The voice of the Lord was accomplishing his purposes to equip the apostles and many other disciples to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. It was by the power of the Holy Spirit that they obeyed the Great Commission. For the rest of their lives, and all but one, the Apostle John, were martyred for their bold witness. So they were filled with fear until the Holy Spirit was given. And then they were emboldened to go out and risk their very lives and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, we're grateful that John lived to a ripe old age because he received the revelation, right? And he, we heard from that today. In Revelation 4.1, John writes of his vision, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had, I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. In the gospel reading for today, in John 16, 13, he writes, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. These are the promises that as Christians, or little Christs, we have the Holy Spirit living inside us. And all around us, orchestrating our circumstances, receiving instructions from our holy God, empowering us to take the message of the gospel to those around us, even to the ends of the earth today. So how do you hear the voice of the Lord? Do you allow it to accomplish God's purposes in you and through you? It is only the Holy Spirit of God in us that connects and communes with the Father and the Son through this mystery of the Holy Trinity, that we are able to hear the voice of God and to obey his will. So what is the open door that God is showing you right now, that he's empowering you to walk through? We must spend some time listening for the voice of the Lord, then responding to it, repenting, and then obeying what he says and trusting that God has purposes and plans for each of us. As you all know, the New Wineskins Global Mission Conference is coming up this September 26th through the 29th, and if you come early, you can go to some advanced training. We've got 20 pre-conferences and all kinds of different missional topics that you can come in on Wednesday, and those will start early Thursday morning, and then the conference starts Thursday night and runs through Sunday. And I can tell you story after story of people who have received their missionary call after being prayed for or having some sort of encounter with the Holy Spirit and the living God being filled with the Spirit and receiving prayer. They have been changed. People like Reverend Janet Eccles, who received a vision at the last New Wineskin Conference for what her small little church in the middle of nowhere South Carolina, and I've been there, it really is in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, who are the people they're supposed to reach? There doesn't seem to be any people around here. Small little town. And they got this vision for reaching out to international students, but they're not near a university. And they said, well, we have vans. Let's go get them. So they said, what are the nearest universities around here? So they drove from this St. Matthews, you know, um, little area, 
and went to USC and to the University of Charlotte and to these various colleges around them, and they worked with the international director at those schools, and they bring these students, 30 at a time, to come to this little church in this little parish in the middle of nowhere, and they stay with the families. They have an overnight. They have a big barn dance. They teach them how to shag dance. They have a big old barbecue. And then um, they talk about the difficulties of coming from another country and assimilating into our culture, so that helps them. And then on Sunday, uh, well, they have all kinds of things. They take them up in planes. They have, they're, they're, it's a wealthy congregation, um, but it's small. So they have these fun things. They have ATVs, and they take them on these, you know, riding around on the properties, and they take them up in these small planes. And these kids have never done anything like this. And it is so, I had never done anything like that. I was like, and I come every time you do this. It's so fun. So they have all this fun. They taught them how to fish and do all these things. And so then the next day, they come to church, and they hear the gospel. And many of these people who are Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, atheist, lapsed Christians, they come to faith in this tiny little church in the middle of nowhere. And Janet got that vision at the New Wineskins Conference. Or Reverend John Choldow, a former lost boy of Sudan, who as a Trinity student received the filling, infilling of the Holy Spirit at New Wineskins and was empowered to go back to South Sudan to start Good Shepherd Academy. And his story is now featured in a new documentary on the persecuted church called Christians in the Mirror. And his story is just amazing. And I didn't even know that he had gotten that, had that experience at New Wineskins. I knew the amazing work he was doing in South Sudan, but I didn't know that it started at a, at a New Wineskins conference until he told me. Or Carol and, uh, and Clark Smith, who received an Abrahamic call. Do you know the Abrahamic call? That's the one that you don't want, right? That's the one that says, go home and sell all you have and sell your business and your home. And I know you thought you were going to retire, but no, I have plans for you. And I go to the land that I will show you after you sell your home and your business. And so they were like, what? <laughs> so they came home from New Wineskins. The day after they got home, when they knew that they were supposed to sell their business, uh, the two people walked in his office, two of his, um, his staff, closed the door and said, you know, Clark, we're, we really feel like you've trained us up well, but we're ready to take the next step, and we, we're ready to go and start up our own office somewhere. And he goes, I'll do you one better. I'll sell you the company. I mean, the day he gets home from New Wineskins, he has people come to him and, and say, we're ready to, to buy the company. So, I mean, God orchestrated their lives, and they have, they started E412 Ministries based on Ephesians 412, and they have now led teaching ministries in over 20 countries over the past decade. And Clark also serves now as our board chairperson with New Wineskins. But it's incredible, the ministry. They have so much fun. They've been to Myanmar, Nepal, Uganda. This year alone, they've been to those three countries. So in our everyday lives, we often find it hard to get quiet enough to hear God's voice. But coming away to a beautiful setting like the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina and spending four or five days together helps us to find that space and dedicate that time to interacting with God and our brothers and sisters from around the world, which is so exciting. We hear about what God is doing all over the world, and we receive our marching orders from the Lord in terms of how we join him in this global work. We begin to understand what are those open doors for us, both individually and corporately, for such a time as this. Now, I want to conclude with a challenge. I call it the 111 challenge. It has three parts. Now, I want everybody to hold up one finger. Hold up one finger with me. Now, take that finger and point it to yourself. Me, you, we 
are the first one. Do you know that only one believer out of a hundred believers shares their faith regularly? One out of a hundred believers shares their faith regularly. Here's what I want to challenge you with today. Will you be that one? There are over two billion people on the planet, nearly a quarter of the earth's population right now, who have no access to the gospel. There are over 7,000 distinct people groups who are still unreached with the beautiful message of hope and salvation that we have received. There are 1,771 languages without any translation of the Bible whatsoever. And North America right now is the third largest mission field after China and India today, right around us. The world is at our doorstep with the multicultural makeup of our American society now. In fact, there are 1.5 million international students and scholars studying in North America right now. And they come from places like Saudi Arabia that are nearly impossible for us to send missionaries to. They've come to us. So I think maybe God said, you know, they need a little help. They're not going to the ends of the earth. Let me bring the ends of the earth to them. And now we have no excuse because they are here. If you are a believer in Jesus, then you're part of God's mission. You are part of God's mission force to reach his world, and no one is exempt. There is a part for each of us to play. Sometimes we are the senders, sometimes we're the goers, and all the time we are the prayers, and the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on us as Christians or little Christs to be the one. Will you be the one? Now hold up your finger again and point it to the parking lot. That is your mission field, right? That's it, right there. All these people around here in Fort Worth. The second point is others. Do you see the ones that God is putting in your path to share his love, his hope? Do you know how hopeless our society is right now? We have hope in Christ, his compassion, his mercy. So here's my challenge to you. Will you see the one or the ones that God is putting uniquely in your path I encourage you to pray for divine appointments each morning and then open your eyes and your hearts to see how God sovereignly orchestrates your day and puts people in your path to bless in some way. I went to the bank to do an international transfer. We're bringing in a a guy from Egypt. And I had to go to a different branch, and I was kind of irritated that I had to go to a different branch. And so went to this branch, and I went in. This woman, she had a frown on her face, a scowl on her face. And usually I can talk to anybody, and I strike up a conversation with anybody because I'm extroverted. And so about it, she just didn't seem like she wanted to talk. And so I was like, whatever, I don't, you know, that's fine. So then um, she says, now, do you know this person in Egypt? Because we have a lot of fraud. And I said, yes, I do know him. He's, the, he's a bishop in Egypt, and we're bringing him in for a global mission conference. Okay, because I just have to check. And I said, okay. And I, she goes, wow, that sounds kind of important. And I said, well, we think so. I mean, we, <laughs> we think it's important, and that's why we're doing this. You know? and she, I said, we bring people from Sudan. We from, and she goes, Sudan? I said, yeah, we have a guy who's a lost boy of Sudan. He's come in to speak. A lost boy? My, my adopted brother is a lost boy of Sudan. What? How is that even possible? I went to this different branch that I was irritated to have to go to, and this woman, their family adopted a lost boy from Sudan who was 19 years old, and she's like, he's my, he's my brother. I'm going to text him right now. She grabs her phone. She starts texting him. He's, what are these guys' names? I said, John Choldow, Abraham Nile. She's texting him to see if he knows these people. 
He might come to the conference and meet some of these boys that they went through this horrific experience when they were young. They saw their parents killed in front of their eyes. They walked across the whole country to get to freedom. It was crazy. But those are the kinds of divine appointments that God will set up. And it's amazing. So I encourage you to ask God to make a way for you to come to the New Wineskins Conference so you can discern even more clearly the open door that God wants you to walk through. Now, I love my job, and I feel like I do get to go from one divine appointment to the next, and I love sharing my faith with people on airplanes and I, you know, all these different cultural settings. Once I sat beside a guru, a guru, he was a teacher of gurus, a sat guru. I didn't even know what a sat guru was. And he teaches transcendental meditation, and his last name was actually Pagan. He said, I come from a long line of pagans. And I was just like, okay, again, you can't make this stuff up, you know? Uh, and then I, and so we got to share, and we had this lovely conversation. And then I was in uh, the Bangkok, Thailand airport, and this Buddhist girl, I was literally sitting with my back. I didn't, I was all kind of done. I, I was really tired at the end of the mission, and I was flying home. This Buddhist girl just plopped herself across from me in this chair at Starbucks and, and literally said, Hi, my name is Hamar. What's yours? What do you do? And I've got this big cross hanging on my neck. And, you know, it's like, well, I'm here for a mission conference. You know, so she shared with me that she's Buddhist because she's from Myanmar and most of them are Buddhist. And I said, well, what do you believe about? What do you believe about Buddha? And she's like, um, ha, 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 ha. She couldn't even articulate it. She really didn't know what she believed. And I said, well, my understanding of what Buddhists believe, and then I told her what Buddhists believe, and then I told her what Christians believe, and then she was like, huh, you know, so I was able to share about Jesus with her. Because just because somebody says they're a particular, if they're a Muslim, that doesn't mean that they even know what that means. They're cultural Muslims often. They're cultural Buddhists or Hindus. So there's so much opportunity all around us. And here's where I suspect some of you are saying, uh, I'm opting out of this second one because you're an extrovert and I'm not. You know, you run a global mission agency and I don't. So clearly you know how to do this. No, no, no. No one is off the hook because I can't reach the people that you know because I don't know them. And you do. And there are plenty of introverted people out there who need other introverts to reach them in ways that I can't as an extrovert reach them because they just run when they see me coming. <laughs> so... But even Jesus could not reach single-handedly every single person on the planet when he, was, when he walked the earth among us, and that is why he commissioned the 12 and then the 72 to go out. And then, of course, he died and rose again and ascended to heaven, and he sent his Holy Spirit to anoint each follower to be able to spread the good news to those in their sphere of influence. So will you allow the burning coal of the altar of God to touch your lips this morning? Just picture that right now. God taking an angel, taking a coal from the altar and touching your lips because God has anointed each of you to share your faith and you have to talk sometimes to do that. So will you be the one and will you see the ones that God has anointed for you to reach? And now finally, hold up your finger again and point to the heavens. God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the one true God, the Trinitarian God. And our increasingly post-Christian culture wants us to agree that God is just one that we happen to have chosen for our life, that works for us, and that other gods work just as well for other people with other beliefs. And Satan would love to have us buy into the lie that Christianity is a religion and that religion is personal and we really should just all be minding our own business. But Christianity is not 
primarily a religion. It's a relationship, right, with the one true God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, and the creator of each one of us, uniquely created in the image of God. And it is not so much that we have chosen him, but that he has chosen us to be his witnesses to a hurting and dying world. Now, Christianity is the only faith tradition where God comes down to us. A holy God enters the world full of sinners, sending his own son to pay the price that we could not pay in our own righteousness, to reconcile us back to the Father and who now inhabits us by the person of the Holy Spirit to shine his light to others. The great I am paid the price so that every person on the planet might come into a living, loving, worshiping relationship with him. And that's not just good news for some. That is good news for all. Amen. So will you take my third challenge and share the one true God? So let's review. The first point is be the one, right? Be the one. The second point is see the ones. See the one that God puts in front of you. The third point is share the one true God. Now, this is a sermon you can remember the three points, okay? One, 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 all right? One, one, one. You're going to start seeing one, one, one everywhere, I guarantee you, because it's now in the front part of your brain. Be the one, see the one, share the one true God. And I hope to see many of you at New Wineskins, because you can begin to see the mission fields that God has for you to walk into. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to you today for the work that you have accomplished on our behalf, Lord, that you did create the heavens and the earth, that you created each one of us in your image and every person on the planet in your image. And we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to live among us and to, to show us the Father and then to die and to rise again and send us the Holy Spirit to help us to carry this message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And Lord, we know we cannot do it in our own strength, and we don't want to. We want to receive the power from on high. So anoint each one here to be the one that shares their faith, to see the ones, the divine appointments that you put in our path each day, and then to share you, the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen.